0: Welcome to the very first episode of the New Fury Media Podcast. I'm your host, Tom John, and I'm here with our guest, Aaron Schaparian, the owner and operator of Iron Audio located in Midland Park, New Jersey. Aaron is a producer and ghostwriter who's worked with bands like Sentinels and Dead Vectors and has built a reputation as one of the hardest working producers in metal. How are you doing today, Aaron?
1: Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm well, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How's things been at the studio?
1: I've been all right. Fucking hanging in there. Doing a lot of work.
0: How has COVID-19 affected that? Has it changed the way that you have to work with your clients?
1: Um, What's this whole crazy time been like for you down at the studio? Hmm. I think um, I've actually had more work since the pandemic started. Um, I think it's because most of my clients are kind of just random vocalists and songwriters. And... They're all stuck at home now working on their music. So I think they've like seeked my services as a producer or a ghostwriter. And I've actually had more work because of the pandemic. So a lot of my clients are just more random vocalists instead of like full bands. Because most of my projects that are actual bands who play live, those have been like not existent, I guess. But it's been more like the bedroom guys just doing their thing.
0: And what do you think of the rise of home recording setups and how does it affect studios and businesses like yours these days? Would you say it's been more beneficial to work remotely or have there been a lot of hurdles along the way?
1: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's really easy to collaborate with people just because everyone kind of has the same tools now and you can send files so easily back and forth. Um, and it's just—it's extremely convenient, I think, because like, I could have an idea, send it to you. You can just build that same idea in your computer and just send it back to me, and we can pretty much create a cool-sounding song without even like being together in person. And I'm all for it. I think this is like the way to go.
0: So, would you say that?
1: basically nowadays
0: anyone with a good computer and you know decent recording software could actually start picking up you know a digital audio workstation a guitar and you know start maybe mixing their own and making their own music
1: yeah i i think it can happen and there's so many resources out there for learning this stuff now um there's so many online mix courses and youtube and just and just listening to other people's records and trying to i guess take influence from what they're doing i think the uh the barrier to entry is pretty much extremely low now like everybody almost has the same tools
0: i would you know definitely agree i mean there's even like places like z sweetwater i mean you can go there and you could finance you know like a decent little audio interface like a focus right 2i2 and like you know a decent road pod mic and you know a decent pair of headphones You know, all for, you know, that can maybe run you at most, like, what, like, maybe 400, 500 bucks. You get a decent DAW, like, uh, like Reaper. Yeah. For 60. And I mean, you could just begin nowadays. Like, it's crazy. Like, any kid with, like, a laptop literally could make a record on it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of the times, like, some really cool music is created by people who just, like, they're just doing it because it's fun and they're doing it in their basement and they're just not thinking about the rules they're just kind of creating
0: and that's just you know the beauty of it these days isn't it you know nowadays you don't really need to follow the rules and all that jazz you know you could just sit down and just create you know what you feel you should be creating i mean how do you feel about stuff like music theory do you think it's necessary
1: okay i'm so bad at music theory (laughs) and like I have consistent songwriting work, so um, I don't think you need theory to write music. I'm sure I'd be a better songwriter if I knew theory. That's definitely, I I probably should know theory, but I don't think you need to know theory. Um, Yeah, every time I tried to learn music theory, it just went in like one ear and out the other. I can never just sit there and like be interested in it for some reason. How do you feel about it?
0: I think that music theory is something that's nice to know because it'll lay a foundation of what sounds good and like it gives a history, but I don't believe it's something that we should be strictly following these days. It was invented centuries ago when dudes were still wearing like powdered wigs and we don't make music like that anymore. I mean, like you turn on any modern like pop, trap you know, metal, you turn on any of that, and it's not a whole lot of, like, old-school, you know, 1400s theory going on. It's, you know, a lot more just experimentation and just, you know, making stuff that you think sounds good and not really following the rules. I think that audio production is a far more valuable skill than learning music theory, you know, learning how to control dynamics and make things, you know, uh, you know, out at you you know how to make things yeah. sound good i think that is a much more valuable yeah, now skill you can
1: just literally go on google download like 50 chord progressions and just make a song out of it you like don't even have to like honestly create your own sound as long as you like can download those chord midi progressions and then make the production sound cool you have you have a good song so i think you're right that it's definitely production based
0: yeah and uh what would you actually say to the people that, you know, keep a stigma alive about people who create songs like that where they use the MIDI chord packs or, you know, preset sounds or even people who utilize, you know, ghostwriting services that you offer? You know, people seem to still have a stigma about it, more so in the metal world than anywhere else. It seems almost as if you're not the one writing the songs, then it's not necessarily, you know, you're not being true to the scene. You know, it's like you're a poser and stuff. Yeah. Is, you know, cause,
1: I, I know what you're saying. Um, I don't know, I think it has its place. I think there's some like um, musicians who just like to perform and they don't really want to worry about the creative side. They're kind of just in it to play and have fun. And I think those guys are the ones who kind of seek these songwriting services, if you're like a guitar player at least. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense if you're a vocalist and you want... A ghostwriter because nowadays you can just start your own project call it whatever you want and put it on Spotify um, you couldn't do that you know 20 years ago so I think like ghostwriting is becoming more and more a, uh, a needed service um, I, I there is stigma with it I've heard some people say like oh you're not a real um, project because you have a ghostwriter Or you're not a real musician, but that just comes from ego and and them wanting to be right. I don't think anyone's really right. It just is what it is.
0: I honestly, I definitely 100% agree with you. And you know what? I think for people like vocalists that simply just don't have the time to sit there and actually record, you know actual music like like guitar and bass because they just don't know how to do it they just never had the time maybe they you know maybe they have kids and they just always want to release something or you know they just work a job that just has crazy hours and you know they never had the opportunity to learn when they were younger Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for people like that to utilize a ghostwriter because you know they still have you know an, an urge to be part of you know music and I I think it's only fair that they have a chance to be able to have, you know, their own record, even if they, you know, utilize the ghostwriter, it doesn't matter. I mean, nowadays, everyone wants to be, oh, there's, I've, at least I've noticed more people want to be a vocalist than a guitarist. There are only so many guitarists out there in the world these days, especially like drummers and even bassists now. I mean, they're an unpopular, bassists are like unpopular to find. I I know that because I can, uh, basis program yeah, I know, you know it's, it's like, you know what, yeah, they're know. too hard to find. So <laughs> we're just going to program it. <laughs> and, uh,
1: even even live, it's just a backtrack for a lot of bands. To exactly, in the mono.
0: Exactly, and I mean especially with how low people tune these days. But you know, main point being is like finding a band is hard these days. And
1: I yeah, I, I think agree. for
0: all these vocalists, or hell, even all these guitarists that might need someone to drop vocals on their track, or just need a drummer, or someone to help out. I think, you know, using a someone with a songwriting service is one of the most beneficial things you can use for your project. Not only that, but you're getting another creative input that might take your, you know, music and your project to a whole new level.
1: Agreed, man. I think a lot of people get kind of fed up that their project hasn't been started yet. They can't find the right members. Um, it's hard to find committed musicians who are down to, you know, work on this project together and tour and all that stuff. So I think ghostwriting has become um, more utilized because people are kind of impatient and they just want to start their project already and not have to... Wait on four other members.
0: I agree. And, you know, for the bands that are out there and, you know, that are still, you know, using a producer that haven't fully learned their own productions yet and are utilizing production services, what, uh, bit of advice would you have for them when, you know, say they send someone like you, a producer's stems to mix and master or, uh, when they say, hey, you know, we need this for the song, what, uh, bit of advice can you give them to make sure that, you know, their, um, that the money that they're paying for and all that is, uh, being used wisely and no one's time is being wasted.
1: Hmm. I think it's important to, uh, I guess, explain and elaborate exactly what you want from the producer. Um, I get some projects where some guys don't explain that well, and then I don't really know what to do. Um, so you would say
0: communication is key.
1: Yeah. Communication is pretty much everything. Um, I had a project recently that I had to literally refund the guy because I couldn't, like, do what he wanted. And I don't know if it was me not understanding what he wanted or him not explaining exactly what he wanted, but it just didn't work out. And the projects that go extremely smoothly are the ones that are the best communicated projects. So I think communication is definitely, like, the most important or, like, the number one thing that needs to be... Um, focused on in the beginning stages. Do you
0: think that could also stem from, you know, bands not really looking into, you know, what kind of producer they might be working with? Because every producer has a certain vibe and a certain skill set that might not work for a certain project. You know, the chemistry might always be there like, hey, you know, might be your buddy, might be like a really great guy to hang with and all that might have the best skills, but maybe not best suited for your project maybe you should give someone else a chance to take the reins on that one
1: that's a great point um yeah and and like when that project didn't work out for me i like i i tried to you know think about it from a mature standpoint like it, it wasn't it doesn't mean i'm bad it just means that me and this guy didn't link up and i'm and i wasn't the right producer for him um I think it's important to look at it that way
0: would you say that it really matters what digital audio workstation somebody uses like me I, you know me i've probably hopped around dawes at least like quite a You're few a times little, in the last a few little months DAW slut yeah <laughs> 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 I, I i i hop around from like daw to daw i was just on logic like two weeks ago i'm on cubase now i was on like ableton before i was on ableton for a long time though but Next, um, thing about moving to Pro Tools, but you know, how do you how do you think um <laughs> it would uh do, do you think that it uh what DAW you use affects how you're gonna work with a producer, especially working remotely?
1: I don't think it matters any percent, zero fucking percent. I think if you make cool music, it doesn't matter where you make it. Um, I think it might be easier to collaborate if you're working on the same DAW. Um, but I don't think it matters at all. Just like personal preference. If you can work better in one specific DAW, just use that one. You don't have to do another DAW just because everybody else uses it.
0: And now, because, you know, Pro Tools is the industry standard, do you think that it's important uh, for people to at least learn that if they want to work in some sort of, you know, commercial studio, if they ever get to that point one day? Or is it just like, it's just something that works for some people, works for others, and like yeah. you just said, it doesn't Tools, really matter.
1: Pro Tools is the best. Use Pro Tools, everyone. <laughs> 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 no, I think yeah. uh, I think it'd be useful to know just because it is the industry standard. Um, it's really good for editing. I know a lot of, some people who edit drums and Pro Tools and just use Logic for everything else. Um, and most studios, at least legit studios, have Pro Tools. Um, and a lot of schools use Pro Tools,
0: on the topic of school, actually, uh, I believe you said that uh, a while back when we were hanging out, you said that you went to school for music production. Would you say that that was a worthy investment in yourself and that people should maybe take that up to go to an actual school to go to music? Or is it pretty much just if you do, it's good, but not necessarily a mandatory thing?
1: I, I went and I did learn some stuff, um, but I don't I don't think it's necessary to go to school to do this stuff. Um I think ultimately because school teaches you the right way to do this stuff and the people who make the biggest records do this the wrong way. They do it. They don't follow the rules. Um and that's why like the people who make my favorite records, they don't follow the rules. They kind of do their own thing and and be creative with this stuff and school is going to teach you to I guess follow the guidelines of everything. But there is a technical side to this stuff that you need to know. And I think school will help you learn that side. But there is like a creative street knowledge side that school will not teach you.
0: For sure. And I think one of the biggest things school can't teach nowadays is I think how the modern music industry reacts, because I know a couple friends that actually also went to music school and they have all said that like the business side of it, it's almost like they're, they're, you know, teaching, uh, like, the Hollywood business side of it, almost not, like, the real day-to-day, grindy kind of job yeah. side of it.
1: This I, I think this is a grindy kind of job. Like, day in, day out, for me, I'm just writing music, like, all day, every day. And it's gr- a grind. And I don't think school teaches you that. At least for the music industry. It makes it seem like it's this, like exotic thing, but it's really just like you do the same thing every day and you got to get good at it and deal with the monotony of it
0: now touching up on you said that some of your favorite producers break the rules what are some producers that influence you and especially what are some bands that may have influenced you as a musician
1: i have i have a lot of different producers that i kind of like i guess when i started getting into this stuff i liked their work um I think Jason Sukoff was, like, the first metal producer I knew about. He recorded a lot of my favorite bands, like, when I was younger, uh, Trivium, Black Dahlia Murder, Whitechapel, uh, Chimera. And then I slowly started listening to heavier and heavier bands, and then one day I heard, uh, like, Thy Artist Murder, and I found out about Will Putney and his studio, um, And I pretty much tried to, like, learn how to make music that sounds like that for so long. And I ended up somehow being able to intern at that studio. And, yeah, that was, like, an awesome experience. Um, Yeah, and those dudes break the rules. They don't really follow, like, what you're supposed to be doing. And they make the, I think, the biggest and best sounding records in, in metal.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean Will Putney's productions are just some of the most nastiest, heaviest I've ever heard, especially that last fit for an autopsy. And I think he did one of the I think he did either one or two of the recent Acacia strain records. I mean, they just sounded fucking disgusting.
1: One um two other producers who worked there. My dude Randy LaBeouf, he produced the last Acacia Strain record, and I think the one before that, but he had another engineer there, his name's Steve. He mixed that one. The one um with like that creature with the eye on it almost like it's an outer space that artwork he mixed that one but yeah it's all coming from the same studio and the same I guess like stream of knowledge for recording and I tried to absorb as much as that as I could and kind of put it into my own work
0: yeah and I think uh you mentioned a while back you actually had a hand in helping out with one of the Kubla Khan records on the drums
1: yes I did drum editing for absolute
0: that's awesome that's honestly an incredible record
1: yeah it's so fucking heavy
0: (laughs) yeah it's oh man Kublai Khan is just one of those bands it's like you hear it and it's like you already know like shit's about to go down yeah awesome they're awesome what are some uh what are some other like uh bands that maybe inspired you as a musician because I know you mentioned before you were in a band with your brother
1: yeah I was in a band called sever the king deathcore band um I feel like that band was influenced by Whitechapel, Case Strain, um, Those Who Fear, just super heavy bands. I was super young when I started that band, so I'm literally embarrassed to listen to all the music <laughs> from that band and really? that project. But I don't know. My, my influence has changed over the years. Um, I don't know. A lot of different stuff. I, I write a lot of different styles of metal. So I feel like I take influence from a lot of different bands and, and things.
0: And what are some, uh, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way of, uh, becoming a producer, especially, you know, one, uh, running his own studio. And, uh, what are some advices you can give to the people trying to make it on their own?
1: Hmm. I think you have to be extremely patient, more, more patient than you want to be. Um, it took me 10 years to get my own studio and, and have a consistent workflow, like 10 years of doing this stuff. That's a long time. Um, I think not, you need to not be too emotionally attached to the work you create because if you have a client and they, they want you to create their work, if you love it so much and they don't, it's just going to hurt you all the time. And you need to be kind of detached to the music, kind of create the music, and then let that client kind of decide the direction and what changes need to be made. Um, And I think you kind of need to just put your head down and and just do what they ask you because that's like that is providing a service to an extent. Obviously, don't let yourself get hurt in that process, but I think like it is a big service aspect to this stuff.
0: Now, Even though you need to emotionally disattach yourself from the service you're providing, do you think that there are moments in the job that you need to become more invested in and become a part of the creative decision-making? And if so, to what extent? I know that some producers like to become deeply involved to help make records as good as they can be, while others choose to just allow the artist to work organically.
1: I think it's a combination of both. Um... I think you have to know on, like, a personal level who you're working with. Um, Some projects can—I'm sorry, there's a train coming. Can we wait, like, a minute?
0: Yeah, we can take a short break while the train passes by.
1: It's so fucking loud.
0: Oh, man, I bet I could hear it all the way down here in South Carolina. <laughs> um, In the meantime, while we wait for the train to finish passing by Aaron's, I'd like to take a moment to thank everybody listening to the podcast today. Um, we're hoping that you learn something useful and informative during this session, and that's really what the main goal for this podcast is going to be. For anybody, whether you're an artist, a producer, or just someone who's generally interested in the scene and the people behind it, we want you to walk away with information from your favorite producers and musicians that can help you grow. Anyway, I think the uh, train's finished passing by Aaron's now, so we're going to go return back to him and continue the show. All right. Did that train pass by? Train's gone. Cool. So we were talking about, uh, you know, when it's necessary for a producer to potentially take the reins creatively.
1: Mm-hmm. I th- I um, think that's necessary for some projects for me as a producer to kind of say, like, I think this should be what happens at this part of the song. Um. But... I think ultimately like it's the artist's song and I think they do have final say. But I think if they trust you and your work, they will listen to you most of the time. And I think there's a way to go about it and not be a total dickhead. I think like you can kind of state your point and like be open to a opinion after you state your point. I think it I think there's like a psychological way to connect with with your client and kind of fight for your ideas and not, you know, ruin the relationship and the project.
0: And I 100% agree with you. Um, Having experience working with producers, I can definitely say that there are times you need to, you know, as a musician, listen to what the producer is telling you to do, you know, and this one's going to go towards the local guys. But look, when a producer says, hey, listen, play to a click track or, you know, hey, do this a little differently just you know sometimes take that moment of consideration to just do as they ask because it's only gonna help you in the end and just for the love of god just play to a fucking click like don't make it that big of a deal you're not gonna be better than a metronome
1: (laughs) i mean there are some musicians who can pull it off but like 99.9 percent of people they should record to a click (laughs) and then edit it
0: And I 100% agree that people should play to a click and edit their material to the necessary extent. Um, However, there are those musicians who rely too much on editing their takes, sometimes to the point where their music is recorded note by note, and in my opinion, a good take is really the gold standard that can't be replaced but in your opinion, do you think music technology has come so far that you can make a production sound good with stitched together and heavily edited takes?
1: Hmm. I think you should focus on good takes no matter what. Um, If you have a band and two guys play guitar and one guy is better at playing guitar, I think that guy should just record the whole thing. I do that with some bands I work with. Um, But editing is so good now that I can have like a, not so great guitar player and i can edit them pretty well and most people won't notice um but i think you should definitely focus on the take first if you have to edit there are some situations um where i'm in a session and like the vibe of the session is like flowing and this, this guy's just doing his thing i'm not going to like interrupt him and tell him like no you got to record that better like if he's feeling it i'll just let him you know go off and do his thing and if he messes up a little bit or like he's not perfectly on time then then i can edit that i, don't, I think like i don't want to interrupt his flow um, especially like a vocalist i think that's important but definitely focus on the takes and you can edit the shit out of it later if needed
0: I'll be honest, when I record vocals with you, I could've s swear to god, it's like you make me sound better than I truly am, <laughs> honestly. Like I don't know, I still remember I was sitting there with Paul and you like played back my vocals. I was like, Is that really what I sound like? Or are you just embellishing that?
1: Hell yeah, man.
0: Like I, I feel a lot more confident, so I mean I could definitely see why you say it's definitely like good to let people you know go off and you know just feel the vibe of the song and yeah i think that's i think that's something you know like a lot of people are forgetting to do nowadays you know especially with home recording they're just hearing their raw self for like the first time maybe and they're just you know they were in the vibe and they're hearing it back and they're like ah that sucks and in reality you know you could probably make a lot of use out of the takes that you know, you you got out of that. And I think people need to always remember you're not a machine. You know, the most important thing is uh, to feel the vibe of a song. And, uh, you know, that brings me into my next question. What do you think makes a really good song?
1: Oh, man. I think a good song is there's not one second of the song where your mind isn't engaged in the song. And I think a good song makes you forget about everything else in existence. You're just listening to that song and you just feel like incomplete harmony with that song like you're just feeling the music um yeah and it's hard to try to create good songs because you know if you're distracted one second of the song then boom like someone's gonna stop playing the song and just go to another song
0: yeah no definitely the best ones are usually the ones that You know, you never hit that skip button on. Yeah. And I always, I I do agree that those are some of the hardest to create, but I think it's also good to encourage people to, if they write a song and, you know, they don't feel that way about it, then maybe it's best to save it and see if they can collab with someone else on it to take it to a whole nother level, to take it to another height or to maybe save it for a day when, you know, they can go back to completing it and... You know, no, I, I was guilty of this myself, but I noticed some of my peers as well getting into songwriting, you know, they tend to just kind of waste these ideas and just throw them out. And, you know, I, I did that a few times and I was like, yo, what are you doing? Like, it's I a little bit older and more mature. I'm like, dude, I have ideas in my head from like when I was 18 that I was just like, ah, screw this, and just tossed it.
1: Yeah. I feel like I don't do that now. I, I feel like if I have an idea, like there's a reason I have that idea and I can, I can make it work.
0: Now, I want to ask um what led you to wanting to become a producer and
1: ghostwriter? Well, I started I guess playing drums and then that my brother played drums also, so that led me to playing guitar and then we started like I guess trying to write songs and um I wanted to record them so I could listen to them and I So I found, like, the shittiest song recording software I could find. I think it was uh, Acoustica Mixcraft. I don't know if you know about that software.
0: You know what? That was actually the very first DAW I ever used. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. (laughs) So I used that for, like, a long time. Um, And I pretty much just fell in love with recording, like, immediately. Um, I remember, like, messing around with the tools in that software, and I, I... like, through a reverb plug-in on guitar, and I couldn't believe what it sounded like. I was, like, amazed. I was probably, like, 14 years old. And I don't know. I just, like, became fully submersed in that whole world of audio recording and mixing and all that stuff. And so, like, I ended up recording the songs we wrote, and I mixed them, and some... We we're gonna play a show, so I like made a CD of the song that I mixed just to show like the promoter of the show, and he was also in a band. And on the way home after like him giving us tickets to sell, he listened to the the work that I did, and he like he said he loved it, which I was I was amazed because like no one ever heard it outside my basement. And we set something up, and his band came to record in my house, and like that was the first band I ever produced, and it just kind of snowballed. Ever since then.
0: What was your uh, road to finally owning a successful studio and being able to have your own spa, control room, drum room, you know, all that included? What's the road been like to get there?
1: That took a a really long time. Um, I probably started messing around with this stuff about 10 years ago, maybe even a little longer. Um, But me learning how my brain um understands this stuff it 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 was an actual struggle like there were years where i just could not make anything sound good and i was literally depressed over it and i still get that way when something doesn't work out um so i think it was very hard but it's extremely rewarding and i think like you should push yourself and and learn this stuff until it sounds the way you want it to sound Because, like, it ended up working out for me, like, going through all those years of struggling to make this work.
0: Now, as we come closer to wrapping up, um, I want to touch back on an earlier subject of home recording. Do you think that the advancements in home production technology uh, can eventually hurt the future of independent producers and studio owners? Because, as we mentioned, it has become so easy to make good-sounding music at home, and the barrier for entry is really low, almost non existent. What kind of effect do you think that'll take in a post COVID world?
1: Yeah. I I think it's like kind of easy to make decent sounding stuff now. Um, but I think like the produ- the producers who are actually like really good at this stuff, I don't think their work is gonna be hurt by it because like everybody can make decent sounding stuff, but A lot of people can't really, like, do what the big producers do. And I think their work's not going to be impacted, which makes you, um, I guess, inspired to become better still. Just because everyone has the tools now, like, you have to find a way to become unique. But I do think, like, a lot of producers will be hurt by everybody being able to record. I think, like, the producers who make a living off of, like, engineering guitar sessions they're going to be hurt because everyone's just going to sit in their bedroom and record themselves now instead of you know go to a studio to play guitar i think that's an area where it's going to be different
0: especially with plugins like stl tonality tone hub i mean the neural dsp plugins i mean honestly i'm guilty i have a p not a pv i have the evh 5153 and i love that amp but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man, I prefer just playing through the uh, Neural DSP, the Fortin Cali, or the Nameless. I mean, dude, that thing just, like, it's so easy, and you know what, for someone like me that, you know, can't afford to be loud, you know, every second of the day, I mean, that just comes in clutch, and I mean, what sounds better, spending, like, you know, 120 bucks on an amp sim at, at like, the most... Or you know, buying like a thousand dollar like rig and having to lug that around into a studio. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I'm totally guilty of using a lot of amp sims for uh, convenience purposes. Um, a lot of the work I do, it's like me sending my songwriting to a client and them giving me revisions on what to change. Like if I use my amp, I can't be reamping every twenty minutes. I I need to be able to just like record a new guitar part and it sounds, you know, good with the tone. Um, so, yeah, I think the the world is definitely gravitating towards like pretty much exclusively amp sims. Um, but yeah, there's still something kick ass about a real amp. But I I know what you mean. Like it's easy and it's uh, like fun to create new tones in the computer alone.
0: How do you think uh, How do you think COVID's going to affect all the great music venues and stuff like that? It seems like a lot of them have kind of been shutting down and not really getting the help they need financially. And it it honestly seems kind of, I guess, uh, I don't want to say it, but grim for like the future of a live
1: music venue. Sucks right now, man. It almost feels like live music never even happened. (laughs) I'm so used to just like doing the same shit all the time now and, and not experiencing live music. I feel like my music world has gotten so focused on recording and in the computer that I almost forget what it's like to, like, play with musicians and go to shows, which sucks. I think, like, I'm missing that.
0: Yeah. And I I think that's something the entire scene kind of feels. And I think that's, like, a big fear, especially for, like, metal, because it's, it is an underground scene that really relies on, you know, these small club shows to go support your favorite bands. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it's prime time to, you know, go and record a new record for all the bands that, you know haven't done so in a long time like you know i'm kind of thinking about you know the band tool like don't leave us waiting another 10 years come on like you guys got you You guys have like these whole what seems to be two years now so you know chop chop but other than that yeah you know it, it metal for a very large part of it really heavily relies on the live show especially for bands to connect with their audience more uh, but I, I mean, I've seen some bands, I think, uh, I think Tesseract was one of them and, uh, Carnifex, they did, uh, live stream shows, which I, I think is something that can become a little bit more popular over time. I think that's something smart.
1: I think so too. I think, I think bands should start doing it sooner than later just because like nobody really knows when things are, will get more normal, whatever that looks like, um, And let's say like another lockdown happens, I think bands are going to be pissed that they didn't start doing that stuff earlier.
0: Yeah, and it's not something that I think could ever replace a really good live show. I mean, like nothing beats like coming out of like a sweaty underground venue covered in God knows what from like rolling around on the floor, getting in the pit with your ears ringing. (laughs) Yeah, like like maybe you got like a like like a couple. Maybe you got like a tooth or two missing. You know, your nose might be a little busted up, but nothing beats that feeling walking out of there with your ears ringing just sitting in your car for like a moment before you like turn it on to drive home yeah just nothing nothing beats like that feeling of like ah tonight was a good
1: night i agree showing up
0: showing up to the office the next morning all like
1: beaten up (laughs) i forget what that feels like honestly it's been so long uh, touching on the subject of uh, live music, what
0: are some of the best live bands you've seen, and do you think that uh, produ- more producers should maybe uh branch out into uh conducting live shows and producing live shows? Because let's be honest, I think we've all been to at least one live show where you're like, dude, I can't hear the fucking vocalist, or like, dude, the bassist is way too loud.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like that's definitely local shows, but um... Dude, one of the best live bands I've ever seen is Disturbed. I think they're so good live. I've seen them like four times. Um, really? I saw Meshuggah a couple of years ago in New York City. That was awesome. I saw Hate Breed live. That was awesome. Um I like i snuck my way into the vip section <laughs> really yeah i like paid the security guard he said yes so like i went up and i watched like the hate breach show like their 25th anniversary show from like the balcony it was awesome i don't recommend trying that for every show but for some reason i was feeling psychopathic that day and i tried it <laughs> and it worked <laughs>
0: Hate, hate breed is awesome man one, one of the best like hardcore metalcore whatever you want to call it just one of the best bands for that genre like just so heavy like just yeah mm, good workout music honestly well, I, I
1: went to a lot of local shows when i was younger um and i feel like that like really inspired me to do music not so much like the big bands just like small show but like a really cool atmosphere and that like inspired me to like really get into metal
0: uh is there been any like a uh, funny twist of fate where any of the local bands that you grew up watching now come to record with you or have you seen any of them maybe blow up and get big and successful
1: yes um there are some bands that like i used to listen to and i'm like um Either working with them or working with certain guys in the band, even though they're not a band anymore, it's just really crazy how like this stuff evolves. And I don't know, it's it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, what are some of the uh, what are some of your favorite uh, local
0: bands to work with hmm. in uh, the New Jersey area that you've had the pleasure of recording, or just that you think are just going to
1: go really far? And I don't know, I work with a lot of cool, I guess. New Jersey-based bands. Um, there's a band I've, I've been working with for a long time, Sentinels. Um, they just They're signed. Awesome. They just signed to Sharp Tone Records, um, and I've been recording them like for eight years now since when I when I just started this stuff. And it's awesome to see their progression. Um, wow. I record some other like New Jersey bands, Refinement. Um, yeah, a bunch of other ones. Like too many to really name. And it's awesome to, like, just be a part of this scene for so many years and to work with, like, the awesome musicians in New Jersey. Dude,
0: that's crazy. So you've basically produced all the Sentinel stuff?
1: I did until the last release. Um, I worked on it with the producer, Randy LaBeouf, who works at Graphic Nature Audio. We uh, recorded them together. I engineered, like, all the guitars and stuff like that. And, um... He mixed everything and produced it and we kind of worked on it together. Uh, We did that for their last EP and their upcoming album. We were actually recording it in March of last year when COVID started and I had to like take less of a workload. I was going to do more on the album but I couldn't because of COVID.
0: Damn, that's nuts, dude. Sentinels is honestly such a kick-ass band.
1: Yeah, they're wild.
0: (laughs) And to finally conclude this session... Um, what is one final piece of advice you can give to an aspiring producer, uh, listening to this podcast that wants to do what you do one day? Uh, what could you tell them that would, that you think would greatly help them in the long run?
1: Um, I think you need a reason for people to come to you and seek your services. Um, you need to make their song better no matter what. Um, I think I have some clients because like I've formed this relationship with them where if they have an idea and they send it to me, it's I like really try to make it better no matter what. And if you can do that day in day out, I think you'll have a business.
0: I think that's an excellent piece of final advice for this podcast. And, you know, to be a producer or a musician means that first before anything, You have to be a professional with a business-oriented mindset. Um, You have to sell yourself and, you know, give people a reason to want to work with you. Or, you know, be a part of what your dream and ambition is. You know, that's not something that's going to come with, you know, being an introvert. And, you know, this is something that will force you to open up. And I understand that's, you know, a difficulty for many people, but you know, with, with music and art, you know, it's just something that you have to be able to do.
1: Yeah. I'm extremely introverted at heart. It was extremely uncomfortable for me to, I guess, um, push past my fears, which I'm still trying to do, but I think you should just go for it because it is extremely rewarding. And I think, um, you will definitely grow and you'll be happy with it
0: 100 percent, all the way it is rewarding and i hope to anyone listening to this podcast with big dreams and ambition uh that they'll take something useful from all that we've talked about and uh you know it's been an honor to have you on as the first guest on the show
1: awesome man thanks a lot for having me i had had fun
0: hey the pleasure was all mine thank you for joining I'm Tom John, this has been the first New Fury Media podcast, and we hope that you, our listeners, will join us next week with our next guest, Chris Zanopoulos from Volvidinia who just released their new split EP with a cranny a societal lobotomization.